Good morning. This is a good day. Let me get this opened up here. Um, we're going to look at a scripture today and, and unpack it and apply it so that we all basically know what the Bible is telling for each of us. Uh, I'm reading from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. He says, We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We're ambassadors. We represent a higher power. Did you get that? Here's the definition that we're going to use of ambassador. I think we have it up here on the screen. If I get the right page. One, who, one with lesser authority who speaks on behalf of one with greater authority. We're the ones with the lesser authority. He's the one with the greater authority. We represent him. You know the power of an ambassador of the United States? The United States government has embassies, which is where an ambassador does his function, in most countries of the world. Some don't want us there. But wherever we can begin talking, begin negotiating with another country, we have an embassy there that represents the interests of the United States of America. That's what ambassadors do. They have the, the authority to actually negotiate on behalf of the President of the United States. In other words, they can negotiate on behalf of the United States of America. We are ambassadors for Christ. Amen. We have the authority, the delegated authority, to negotiate with a fallen world on behalf of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about that. This is our calling. This is what the church has been called to do, to represent Jesus Christ in this dark, fallen world. We are missionaries to represent God in this world. He makes his appeal to the hurting, the broken, all over the world through us, Christians. He doesn't do it through angels, although he could. He does it through people like us. We pass it on from generation to generation. Now, for some people, that's exhilarating. For other people, it's intimidating. Yep. Is that intimidating for you? Yep. I want to take a little bit of the pressure off. Why do people get intimidated with recognizing we have a message to share with the world? couple reasons. Here's one. There's a fear. They fear we're going to get entangled in some deep theological discussion. And we don't really know what we believe or why, so we don't want to get caught up in that theological discussion. So it puts fear in us. We'd rather not open our mouth and open that can of worms. Others fear they're going to end up in a debate on the dinosaurs or the, the, the flood we don't know how to explain that in today's terminology, so we'd just rather not open that up. And others fear the people we talk to are going to storm out of the room angry at us because we would dare bring up such a topic as religion. Well, let me take the pressure off. We're not talking about religion. 
We're talking about a relationship. Radically different. Disassociate yourself from the term religion. That's intimidating itself. We're talking about a relationship with a God that loves us. He wants to talk to us. He wants to hold our hand as we go through problems of life. He wants to actually open doors for us and watch over us. He wants that personal relationship with us. That's not religion. So you don't have to defend religion. We're just talking about a relationship. Here's a second way to take the pressure off is to understand you don't have to know everything as an ambassador. The Secretary of Commerce doesn't have to know everything about the Department of Defense. See, you don't have to know everything. You just have to know your story, what God has done for you. You don't have to defend every other person who has given the church a bad name. You don't have to defend them. Just apologize for them. Say, I'm I'm sorry, I know. There are people like that all over the place, but I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's get back on topic. And you are not responsible for their response. So don't worry if they get mad. They're not mad at you. They're mad at the message you just gave them. So don't worry about that. It shouldn't be scary, and it shouldn't be difficult to be a witness for Jesus Christ. It should be a natural thing. Let me use an illustration. Suppose you have an issue with insomnia. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about somebody else who might have a problem with sleepless nights, can't get to sleep at night. And you discovered that there's a pill that really works for you. I mean, it puts you to sleep. You wake up refreshed the next day. Would you be afraid to tell somebody else what you just discovered? I don't think so. It's good news for you. You'd like to pass that good news on for somebody else. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about with Jesus Christ. He wants to help us off so we can sleep at night. As long as you get your eyes on politics, you're probably going to lose some sleep. Get your eyes off that. It doesn't make any difference. Stop and think about it. You have, a, you have peace with God. It doesn't make any difference what happens with the world. I mean, yeah, it makes a difference. Go and vote. But don't lose sleep over it. Find that peace with God. And that's what he wants us to have. So what I want to share today is three ways that you can be an ambassador for Christ. Practical ways, practical things that all of us can do. Here's the first one. Share your life. Share your life. You have a life that's different than anybody else's. You have personal issues, problems, baggage from the past. You have experiences that have happened to you that you wish hadn't been there. That all makes you who you are. You are a unique individual. And God loves you just like you are. Actually, he will take those negative things and turn them into positives if you allow him to. That's the way he works. Christianity isn't about winning some debate. It's about sharing your life with someone else. We do this together. That's why we come together on Sunday morning. Build, our, build a relationship with each other. It's important we do this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 says, Because 
We loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Sharing our lives with someone else, our real life. We have a real life with problems and issues, as everybody does. But you're dealing with your issues is able to help someone else deal with their issues. Several years ago, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. First, I had to deal with my own emotions with that because I just watched my dad die of it. Or I was, excuse me, watching him die of it when I was diagnosed. I decided this is not supposed to be happening to a Christian. And I'm, I'm the spiritual man of God. Everybody has their eyes on me. This isn't supposed to be happening. And I decided, God, if you're going to let this come into my life, I'm going to share my life with everybody. So I started a blog, a daily blog, every, every day from the time I went into the hospital for the surgery. I started a blog. And I encouraged people in the church to get on my blog and read it. And I shared the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I shared how I felt. I shared how I was, uh, the pain, the discomfort, the anger, the disillusionment. I shared my life. Because I wanted, if I have to learn these lessons, God, I'm going to make sure everybody else learns them too. You get to learn them the easy way. I had to learn them the hard way. We need to share our life with one another. Quit trying to be so private because of your pride that you can't talk to someone else about your real life because they live real lives too. And if we present ourselves as Mr. or Mrs. Perfect, we've got it all together because we're Christians then we can't really minister to people who live in a real world. Follow up to that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business. Somebody say amen. <laughs> and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. The best witness tools we have is your story of what Jesus has done for you. We need to make people intrigued with us. You know what intrigue means? That's, that's when you want to dig a little deeper. You want to ask another question. You want to go just a little bit further. Intrigue. You and I should live lives that are intriguing. That we just make our coworkers, our neighbors, ask the question, what's, what's up with you? How can you go through those kind of things and still have this kind of peace? How can you do that? Let them ask the question because you have the answer. But they're not going to ask the question if they can't see it in you. So we need to be real. We need to live lives that are different enough that people see there's something different about us. If we, act, if we just like everybody else, nobody's going to ask the question. We're not going to intrigue anybody. We need to be different enough. And different doesn't mean peculiar. I know the King James Version says we are a peculiar people. But that doesn't mean weird. How many, how many know a few peculiar people? Just a little bit on the weird side. We're not talking about that. We're talking about being different. 
different in a way that people like it, that people like what they see. To be different, you've got to be Christ-like, which, means, which has to do with the way you talk, the way you act, the way you react. Somebody tells you an off-color joke and you laugh like everybody else. I wonder if you're different. We're called to be the salt of the earth. Pastor Adam talked about that a couple weeks ago. Salt. Salt gives flavor. Matthew 5.13 says, We are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. People should see Jesus in us. Are they seeing Jesus in us? We should be asking that question. We should look like our Father. You, we all, you understand this genetic thing? It's amazing. You, you look at a kid and you say, oh my goodness, he looks just like his dad. And sometimes it's not appearance, sometimes it's mannerisms. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> just like her mom. Once we become born again... The Holy Spirit comes into our life. It's like injecting the DNA of Father God into our lives. And we begin acting like Him, reacting like Him, thinking like Him. People look like their parents. So we are Christ's ambassadors when our daily lives are attractive to the world around us. Not repelling and not where we go hide away so they don't see us because they might get mad at us. We've got to be out there rubbing shoulders with them. That's who we are. So that's, that's the first strategy on being an ambassador, to share your life. Here's the second, second thing. Share your story. Yes. What is your story? Why are you here this morning instead of home watching something on TV or out raking leaves? Why are you here? What did, why did you get up in the morning and spend the gas to drive here, to be here? Why did you do that on a Sunday morning when there's so many other things you could do? I presume it's because you know you, you need to be here. This does something for you. Share your story. In winning others to Christ, your story is the number one strategic tool that makes a difference. You can't, you can't produce evidence to them that God is real. You can't prove it. It's a faith thing. So it's not a theological debate or a historical evidence that's the best tool to win people to Christ. It's not being able to answer every question people want to get hung up on. That's the best tool to win people to Christ. It's your personal story of what Jesus has done for you. Has he done anything for you? We need to tell that story. Tell someone. This is what being an ambassador means. In John chapter 9, verse 25, we have this story where Jesus healed a blind man in the temple. And the Pharisees got all upset about it and began challenging him because they couldn't heal him. How can anybody heal him? And the man replied, I'm reading in John 9.25, he replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. 
One thing I know, I was blind and now I see. He, he didn't have a defense of Jesus. But I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. That's your testimony. My life used to be this way, but now it's that way. I used to not understand, but now I understand. I used to be angry at the world, but now I'm at peace with the world. You see, that's your testimony. That's your story. We've got to be able to find a way to package that and give that out to the people that we care about. Because we each have a story like that. We all have a story like that. I have a story like that. And I love to tell my story. Because when I tell my story, you sit there spellbound. You can't wait to see, hear what's going to happen next. Because it's a real story. And you know I'm a real person. Well, you could be that kind of a storyteller too. You have a story like that, what Jesus has done for you. So, I'm going to give you a challenge. Here's the challenge. Begin seeing, looking for, seeing opportunities for you to share your story with someone. It gives them hope. If God can intervene in your life, maybe, maybe, maybe he can inter- interfere or intervene in my life. So, tell that story. Here's the third way. To share an invitation. You can be an ambassador by sharing an invitation. The blind guy story again. John 9, 27. The blind man who had been healed, he answered. He said, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciple too? An invitation. He's given... He's given these people an invitation. Do you want to be his disciple? When Jesus assembled his 12 disciples, and he knew he had about three years, I don't know that he knew the exact date he was going to be executed on the cross, but when he gathered his 12 together, he knew he had about three years. And his invitation to them was, come, follow me. He didn't say, I have this Bible school I'm starting up. I'd like you to enroll. He said, follow me. Because the real spiritual lessons aren't learned in a classroom. The real spiritual lessons are learned in your workplace. They're out there in the marketplace, in the real world. That's where we learn spiritual lessons mostly. The vast majority of us here this morning in this room are here because somebody invited us to come. Probably wouldn't have been here if somebody didn't invite you. Let, I'm, I just, I'm just curious. How many can raise your hand and say, I'm here because somebody invited me the first time? That's what I thought. It was a response to an invitation. An invitation to come. My personal story of how I started coming to this church was an invitation from Pastor Dennis Kutzner. This is when our church was down in the little building on Washington Street. It was a Church of Christ. I was not the least bit interested in going to a Church of Christ, but Pastor Kutzner was this great matchmaker. He's always trying to put guys with gals. And he knew there was this young lady in that church named Anita, and he thought she'd be a good fit for me. So he invited me to come to the church. I didn't want to go to a non-instrumental church of Christ. I was a Beatles guy. 
I like music. You got to have some music. We didn't have any music, just a cappella singing. But I went because it was an invitation with something in it for me. <laughs> and that was the beginning of the rest of the story. I became a Christian at an invitation. My sister gave me a copy of Hardcore Magazine, which is a publication of the Adam's Apple in Fort Wayne. And uh, when, uh, when I was good and ready, cleaning out my car, I found that Hardcore Magazine, took it up to my apartment that I was renting, sat down, and I glanced through it because it, it was for hippies, and it kind of appealed to me at the time. And there was this article in there written by a guy by the name of Jerry Miller talking about inviting the Holy Spirit to come into your life. I had never heard about the Holy Spirit. It didn't, that, was a, that was a taboo topic in the church I was raised in. The Holy Spirit was never talked about, almost like it was a bad, shameful thing. And he was talking about inviting the Holy Spirit to come in. And then what kind of peace that would bring. And when I read through the article, I thought, hmm, that's intriguing. I'm interested in that. At the bottom of the article was a bold print prayer, which is what we call a sinner's prayer. And I read through that, and when I read through it, I just felt warmth in my heart. Just felt warm. So I went back through that bold print prayer, and I read it again out loud. And I invited the Holy Spirit to come into my heart. That's the moment I was born again. I remember this peace, this calm, just a weight lifted off my shoulders because God was forgiven me of my sin. It's because of an invitation printed in a newspaper. Invitations are powerful things. We can all leverage the power of an invitation because people can't respond to our ambassadorship if we don't give them an invitation to do something with it. Everybody has to do something with their faith. There are key moments where the Holy Spirit begins to deal with us and draw us to himself, but without an invitation, we'll just sit there and watch it pass by. So an invitation is giving somebody an action step that they can take into their, into their faith. So you don't have to have all the answers to offer a simple invitation. You don't have to have your life all together to offer an invitation. Most people in America are just one invitation away. I wonder who could present that invitation to them in a way that they would want to take it on. Starting next week, we're going to begin uh, What's the Point series. We're going to be talking about what's the main point of our life. What's the main po point of our existence? What, what's the main thing? So we're going to talk about it. And as a, as a springboard, um, we're looking at this book called Donkey Mission, which may seem like a strange thing to us, Donkey Mission. But once you begin reading it, you understand what he's talking about. As a matter of fact, we're going to use this as a springboard. We're going to assume you have already read it and you already know what we're talking about, what a donkey mission is. He uh, where Pastor Matt Keller takes an obscure Old Testament scripture and brings it to life for us in the New Covenant. 
Uh, and so we're, we're using this as a foundation. We're going to be sharing this message. What's the point? Because we're going to see from the story what the point is of our lives. So we want to uh, encourage you. Several years ago, we had a problem. We, we had a, an old school bus that we painted and converted into a church bus, and we were using it. Uh, we had a couple of them, actually. We were running a bus route into Butler, another one into Auburn, uh, Kendallville, Corona, uh, and at Waterloo, of course. And we got in this place where these, they, the state of Indiana was just going to, we were going to reinstitute, the state of Indiana was going to reinstitute inspections for church buses. Remember that accident down in Kentucky they had where a church bus full of kids got involved in an accident, a bunch of kids died. And so the state of Indiana, always being reactionary, uh, decided to reinstitute inspections. And we knew that our buses could not pass inspection. Their, the tires were just fine running locally, but they would not pass inspection. They were just too worn. Those are truck tires on a school bus. Very expensive. It's going to cost us a lot of money. So we calculated out how many tires do we need, how What's the best deal we could find? And we needed to raise several hundred dollars to purchase those tires. And I didn't, we didn't, our church didn't have that kind of money. So I decided we got a lot of people that really believe in what we're doing. So I decided I was going to go to our congregation and ask for a $20 offering. $20 for people that wanted to make sure those buses stayed on the road. So at that time, we were having three services. The first one was on Saturday night. So I was going to start with Saturday night and then go to the early service on Sunday morning and then the second service. So I went on Saturday night and I presented the appeal. We need to raise this many hundreds of dollars for these buses, $20 offering. And I thought I would get, you know, about a third of what we needed. That was Saturday night was the smallest attended. So I figured we'd make up the rest on Sunday morning. I had the whole church come up. Everybody wanted to give me $20. A couple people gave me 50s. A couple gave me 100s. By the time we got finished, we had all the bus tires paid for on Saturday night alone. And I learned that $20 is not a big loss for a lot of people. If it's towards something they believe in, they want to be a part of it, they'll gladly invest the $20. I say that because we have this deal where we have in this shrink wrap Four books, donkey ministry. They, caught, they sell on Amazon for 15 bucks each. Is that right, Pastor Adam? <clears throat> We're going to make them all available for 20 All four. Here's the, here's the plan. You're making an investment in someone else's life. You're taking one book and you're reading it. You're giving three away. Inside of each of them are these invitation cards. We put them in before we shrink-wrapped them. So there's an invitation on the inside. You are making an invitation. You're giving somebody this book. You're telling them, my church is going to be talking about this. And I would like you to read the book and come, come to church. Find out what it's about because I'm excited. Let's learn together. Let's find out together. You come to New Hope next Sunday, 930 or 11, whatever service you come to. You come and I'll meet you at the door and we'll sit together. That's an invitation. I think there's some people just one invitation away from taking an action step. So we have these available out here at this table 
$20. We're asking you to share in the cost of them. We provided the book for you. You probably never heard of it, but we're putting it in your hands because we think that will help you. It's going to help us communicate next week. So let me make sure I didn't forget something in that. So it's really never been easier to invite somebody. We just gave you a we just gave you the bait. We just gave you the tool to use uh, to invite somebody to come. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We represent Jesus Christ. How do we do that? I just unpacked how we can do that together. So let's think. Who would I give a book to? Who could I put it in their hand? And don't just give a book. Pray. You pray for them because it's only spiritually revealed. They can't figure it out by reading the book. Even if you read the Bible, you can't figure it out on your own. It's got to be spiritually revealed to you. I remember reading the Bible before I was a Christian. I started with Genesis. That's not where you start, by the way. (laughs) I started with Genesis. And I got so messed up with my theology uh, because I didn't under, it wasn't spiritually revealed to me. I was trying to learn it by using my head. And the Bible doesn't make sense using your head. You've got to use your heart. You've got to let the Spirit reveal that to us. So what would it be like if we did this and we invited people to come? What would that look like? If they did, if somebody did come, matter of fact, a whole bunch of people came and heard a word that would turn a light on for them, that they would, they're never going to hear this word watching TV, watching the football game. They're never going to hear this word uh, hanging around their associates in the workplace. They're going to, how are they going to get the word? We got to get them to where the word is. Got to get them interested in it. This book is going to help. And the message, the series that we're going to do is going to help. Let's all stand together. We're ambassadors for Christ. There's going to be somebody at the table right out there that's going to help you pick these books up. Oh, and by the way, I don't want to forget to tell you, last week, one man in our church, very generous man, was so intrigued with what we presented that he bought a whole bunch of these for people that couldn't afford the 20 bucks. So if, if 20 bucks is a stretch for you, stop out there and say, I'm the guy that doesn't have the 20 bucks. They're going to give you what was already purchased. Sometimes the bill is paid in advance. Amen. Isn't that what Jesus did for you? Amen. Paid the bill in advance. Let's walk in that amazing grace that he has for us.